It can be really hard for us to relax at night. We're always thinking about covering crime. But the good news is our wonderful new sponsor, Via, has a terrific product that helps us unwind. Via Hemp has a wide range of terrific gummies of both the THC and THC-free varieties. They can help you with focus, recovery, sleep, creativity, or just plain enjoyment. These products legally ship to all 50 states. I really liked Zen in particular. This is a yummy blueberry option that lets you catch a chill sleep with help from CBN and CBD. It's really helped me turn off my brain and settle down for the night. I also got a shout out Flow State. It helped me feel energized throughout the day. Like not to brag, but I got a lot done. I'm talking about doing several interviews and editing a whole show from start to finish, not to mention jumping on some of the latest filings in the cases we cover. It really made me feel sharp and ready to tackle any challenge. I couldn't recommend this more. Via has so many great gummy options to choose from. Everything from guava berry low dose that allows you to microdose THC to the chill-inducing Delta 9 gummy dreams. Head to viahemp.com and use code MSHEET to receive 15% off and one free sample of their award-winning gummies. That's viahemp.com and use code MSHEET at checkout. Please support our show and tell them we sent you. Enhance your every day with Via Hemp. Again, if you're 21 and over, you can get 15% off plus a free pack of award-winning gummies with our exclusive code, msheet at viahemp.com. That's V-I-I-A-H-E-M-P dot com. Content warning. This episode contains discussion of the sexual exploitation of children. In our investigation into the Delphi murders, we have published reports focusing on the activities of a man named Kegan Klein, who's charged with using the internet to prey on children. In order to better understand the subject of online predators who target children, we've talked with several experts. We've also heard from so many parents and guardians who shared worries about their own kids. In March 2022, Common Sense Media an organization known for reviewing media and technology based on its appropriateness for children, released a report delving into internet use by teens and tweens in 2021. We'll link to that report in our show notes. The report found that a total of 84% of teens in the survey said they used social media, while 34% said they enjoyed the activity. Tweens, ranging in age from 8 to 12, who participated in the survey were also found to have increasingly taken to social media, despite the fact that many social platforms set age limits. Between 2019 and 2021, the percentage of tweens who said they use social media every day jumped from 13% to 18%. The fact is that the kids are online. Sexual predators are online too. So how can parents and guardians address the tricky subject of internet safety and security with their children and teens? How does one give kids the facts without resorting to fear-mongering? How can you establish better trust with your child? Today, we'll speak to another expert who will address how parents and guardians can take steps to keep their kids safe online. My name is Anya Kane. I'm a journalist. And I'm Kevin Greenlee. I'm an attorney. We first connected while looking into the Burger Chef murders, an Indiana cold case. Together, 
we built a spreadsheet documenting hundreds of cases of restaurant-related homicides. That original spreadsheet gave way to our podcast, The Murder Sheet. Now we maintain that same research-centric, investigative approach as we look into all sorts of homicides, including unsolved cases, historical crimes, and, of course, restaurant murders. We don't just chat about the headlines. Our podcast is a platform for our journalism. The Murder Sheet focuses on investigative reporting, thoughtful analysis, thorough research, and in-depth interviews. We're The Murder Sheet, and this is On Internet Predators, how parents and guardians can keep children safe. In order to learn more about this topic, we reached out to the National Children's Advocacy Center. We'll hear a bit more about the NCAC in a bit, but to sum it up, it's a Huntsville, Alabama-based advocacy center focused on providing services, education, and leadership around the prevention of and response to different forms of child abuse. We connected with NCAC Community Education Program Manager, Beth Jackson, for an interview. Can you just uh, start by just telling us a little bit about yourself, sort of how you came into this line of work? Okay. So uh, I am actually from Southern California, and I grew up in Riverside and went to University of California in Riverside. And I always wanted to, thought I always wanted to go into social work or, you know, psychology, And so right out of college, after graduating with psychology and sociology degree, I worked with teenagers in a group home. So that was that first uh, big slap in the face, if you will, actually in the field. Uh, And really, and it was funny because as a a college student, I remember thinking, I'm never going to work with kids. I'll work with adults. And now my entire adult life, I've basically worked with at-risk children now for well over 30 years. Uh, So I moved to Huntsville, Alabama and started out working at a boys and girls clubs and worked there for almost six years. And now I've been at the Children's Advocacy Center for 23 years. And I've done lots of different things, which is why I've stayed, I think. I've, I do program management. I write grants and manage programs and supervise personnel um, and also help to implement some of our child abuse prevention programs. And with that came the fact that as the internet and social media kind of grew, uh, we needed to incorporate that information, obviously, into programming with children and with parents. And so I'm one of the people that was tasked with that. And so that's kind of why usually when we get these requests, I'm the one that does it. Although there's another person, we sometimes paper, rock, scissors that. But, um, you know, we kind of try to trade off a little bit. And then about 10 years ago, I got my master's degree in counseling psych. And now I'm a licensed therapist as well. And so I offer trauma therapy 
to children and teenagers who've been through uh, child abuse, but also other kinds of trauma as well. So, absolutely. And and I'm just before we kind of dive into the topic at hand, can you tell us a little bit more about the National Children's Advocacy Center and the work that you guys do? Absolutely. So the the National Children's Advocacy Center, and I'm going to call it NCAC because it's such a huge uh, bunch of words to say over and over again. Actually, the first Children's Advocacy Center started here in Huntsville back in the early 80s when they were seeing cases like everywhere does of child sexual abuse. And there was a group of people and one of them is now our retired Congressman Bud Kramer, who was then the district attorney of Madison, Madison County or a district attorney. And he will recall now when he shares the story that it was a pretty heinous case of child sexual abuse that came across his desk. And he was interviewing the child um, about what happened and the child was kind of like, gosh, do I have to keep telling this story over and over again? And so he, along with many other people involved with these cases, thought there has to be a better way to do this uh, because it is not family and child centered at all. So what they did is they created the multidisciplinary team. And that team is a collaboration of agencies that has anything to do with the case of child sexual abuse. So that would be Children's Protective Services that would actually bring the case to this team. That would be the district attorney's office that if it gets all the way to prosecution, they would be dealing with it. That would be the people that actually interview the children um, that have allegedly been sexually abused. We call them forensic interviewers. That would be law enforcement representatives because obviously crimes have been committed. So there's a law enforcement part to that. And then they also wanted to be sure that there were supportive services for the family that how do they navigate this? Their kid has had an outcry. How do you support the family? And then obviously the child needs to heal as well. And so there needed to be therapeutic services. And so all of those people now come together with this multidisciplinary team and process all cases of child sexual abuse in Madison County, Alabama, and now have expanded to actually dealing with many physical abuse cases and severe neglect cases. And then obviously over the years that now also becomes when there's a case sometimes, not always, but a case of potentially a, perp a perpetrator, an online perpetrator. Homeland Security obviously gets involved with that too. So now we also have Homeland Security that sometimes is involved in these cases. And they'll all work together to process what's happened. Um, the, the child will hopefully only have to uh, be in a recorded interview once or twice. Sometimes kids take longer. You know, we've, we've got to change as kids change. And all those people come together to be sure that this case is, you know, brought to whatever, um, you know, completion that there is, whether it go, it's prosecuted, whether sometimes, you know, it's not founded, whatever that is, those people all work together instead of being separated out in silos. And so that was, this in Huntsville was the first time in 1985 when the agency began, this was the first Children's Advocacy Center model, so to speak, that ever occurred. Now there's over a thousand around the world based upon the model here in Huntsville. So we are not an umbrella organization though, we are not, but we, um, through our Southern Regional Children's Advocacy Center and our international training program, we offer training consultation and support to anyone in the world 
across the country or in the world that wants to have a CAC model in their community. So that's kind of, which is kind of exciting that we're, you know, it started right here in Alabama. So now we also have some other services, which obviously we have kind of an international and national leadership within that field, but we still have our local services for Madison County. So we have therapy services and family support services, and we also have a child abuse prevention program where we do parenting classes. We have home visitation for first-time parents. We have a school-based child sexual abuse prevention program that's been around even longer. So we have a lot of different services that go out into the community. A weight loss journey can feel like a lonely struggle, but it doesn't have to be. For so many of us, lifestyle changes like deciding to lose weight, adopting a nutritious diet, and taking up fun exercises are all about putting our own health and wellness first. But it can be really hard to know where to begin or how to keep the weight off once we've seen some progress. Quick fixes like soup diets and juice cleanses are unsustainable. There's a much better way to embark on this journey that over 200,000 people have already chosen. We're talking about the Roe Body Program. Here's how it works. Roe gives you access to one of the most popular weight loss shots on the market. Their Roe Body Program then sets up a comprehensive weight loss program tailored to your specific lifestyle, health status, and goals. In addition to the weekly shot, you get one-on-one coaching with a registered nurse. That can help you adopt and stick with lifestyle changes like exercise routines and nutritious diets. It's a comprehensive program that sees participants lose 15 to 20% of their weight in a year on average. But the real benefit is that you keep that weight off. This is weight loss at its most sustainable. With Roe, the average weight loss is 15 to 20% of your weight in one year, in conjunction with healthy lifestyle changes. EMI and other eligibility criteria apply. Go to roe.co slash msheet. Sign up today and you'll pay just $99 for your first month and $145 a month after that. Medication costs are separate. Go to roe.co slash msheet. That's ro.co slash msheet. Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. That's terrific, that that robust sort of set of different um, services. And, and, you know, I'm wondering in terms of, you know, for, for parents who are kind of hearing stories about online predators and, and kind of wondering, you know, how do I have this conversation with my children? What sort of um, advice or insights can you give them on how to open that line of communication with their kids? 
I feel like it's a conversation with and not at. I really feel like, you know, they get a lot of this where they feel like adults are talking at them all the time. I really feel like, especially within my therapy work, I sit down and I say, so what have you experienced? Ask them, what have you experienced? Have you had the creeper you know, that's approached you, the stranger? Because kids get so much stranger danger stuff. I mean, it's, all, you know, stranger danger, stranger danger. Well, I think that starting out with that, you know, what's been your experience with strangers approaching you online and what do you do? And they're pretty dang savvy. They're like, oh, you know, we ignore them. We, you know, we do this, that or the other. When it gets more complicated is that friend, the whole definition and our idea of friendship has really changed, I would say, especially over the last 10 years, way back when I can remember even going into a school and saying, so, you know, the friends are the people we really know in real life and the the, the you know, people you meet online aren't really our friends. Well, guess what? That's all changed because I have known plenty of kids and teenagers that pretty much most of their social life is are people that they've met through gaming, on Discord, um, you name it, any of the apps. And so having that conversation about what friendship is and that there are different kinds of friends now. And I think we as adults have to accept that. So just kind of grin and bear it. And listen to what they have to say about who their friends are. Uh, and then talk about, you know, even the people we think we know really well can manipulate us and trick us into things that aren't real. That they look at what you've posted online. They look at like what things you may be going through. And they're like, wow, that's happened to me too. Or I really like that artist or that band, or I'm really interested in soccer or Roblox or what have you. And they make it sound like, gosh, they just know you like no one else does. And then the next thing you know, they're starting to kind of want to maybe start messaging you privately you know, that manipulation, you know, we, we call it grooming too, but it's really a manipulation that anybody can be manipulated. And when somebody's trying to take you off the Discord server into a little private one or take your Snapchat and like, let's start instant messaging or DMing when, you know, just watch out. They might be okay, but you know what? They might not. And they might not be who they say they are. I don't care if they've sent pictures or even videos. There's people out there that try to manipulate and trick all of us, including adults. And just watch out because if they're too good to be true, they're too good to be true. Absolutely. And I love what you said about the nature of friendship has changed for so many kids because, you know, it's, it's really, I mean, even, you know, I grew up with like Facebook, but now it's something completely different in some of these different communities. Um, I'm curious in terms of, uh, is there an age where these conversations should start? I mean, I feel like kids are getting on the internet younger and younger. And is there any way to sort of tailor the conversations based on age range? Or is that really just dependent on the kid and their internet usage? Well, I think that age range is important. Like what kind of, I think the first thing is, okay, well, what access do they have on what devices? And then, you know, it, obviously I think when they're younger, parents almost automatically kind of supervise a little bit more, at least I hope they are. Um, and so I, I and I want to preface it that I, I think it's really healthy that if you, 
if you help them limit or manage their screen time, so to speak, early on when they first get access, the easier it is. Put parameters around it. Talk about that. And again, let's say the gaming really starts pretty dang early. And actually, it used to be so many more boys gamed online than girls, but that's starting to shrink now. That, that gap, you know, girls are doing it too. That, you know, start with that, like right there, that gosh, you know, if somebody starts asking you a lot of personal questions while you're gaming, like, what do you think you should do about that? And talk about what are personal questions. We think, I think sometimes we as adults assume they know what that is, define it for them. Like, you know, if they start asking you, oh, where do you live? And what school do you go to? And, you know, what, you know, where... Are your parents together? Are they divorced? Or as they get older, are you dating? Well, who are you dating? What kinds of things have you done? You know, it's like if you're gaming with somebody and let's just say this is somebody you've not met. This is just purely a friend, you know, through um, I'm going to probably date myself because I don't know that Fortnite's that popular anymore. But, you know, what does that have to do with the game? That should send a little alarm off, you know, like, okay, okay, you know, Janet, you know, my little girl, if somebody's asking you personal questions, a little alarm should be going off in your gut like, well, wait a minute. Why are they? Why does this person need to know that? It's not just about being nice. Just it's not about the game. So just kind of look for, you know, help them recognize when something's a little off and it's okay to go. Oh, let's just talk about the game for now, because, you know, kids get kind of paranoid about I'm going to hurt somebody's feelings or whatever. So you just want to give them some tools, you know, and, and do that. But as they age and as they're getting into the dating age, too, that there also has to be conversations about healthy relationships and what does that mean and the give and take in healthy relationships. And I'm going to say it and I know that this is going to get off into a rabbit hole, but I won't go there because I know we don't have the time. But we need to be talking about healthy sexuality and relationships from all the way little all the way up and so that kind of helps preface some of these conversations about you know what's healthy and what's not and and that helps them to have that filter to recognize when something's not quite right i also want to say that when children are isolated and when children have certain risk factors like if their sexual orientation if they are struggling with questions about finding themselves with sexual orientation and gender and all those things, that puts them at risk to be manipulated because sometimes they are afraid to talk to anybody and they're, they are going to try to find their people where they can. And so if their if parents are concerned about, gosh, you know, I'm sensing maybe, you know, my kiddo's kind of not sure about where they are. Let's let's put our discomfort away, folks, and you need to have a conversation with them about it, about what's safe and not safe. And and so, again, I just go back to having regular, meaningful conversations all throughout their development and that it can just be a, hey, I think you're really smart. You know, so I'm not telling you this because I think you're stupid. I'm telling you this because I've even read stuff about adults getting basically scammed and manipulated and I just and I I do the same thing I'm careful too and I just want you to be safe that's all you know if you see something in the news ask them what they think about it you know get their input they actually know a lot more than we give them credit for a lot of the time absolutely and I love that you know about like setting boundaries and like making them feel comfortable like it's it's not rude to not tell people things it's not you don't you don't you shouldn't feel compelled to respond I think a lot of kids 
you know, you, you, you want to be, when you're that age, you want to be nice and friendly and not hurt people's feelings, as you said. And, and so, you know, learning that you can be nice and friendly and also set appropriate boundaries with people and say no when you're uncomfortable, I think is so fundamentally mm -hmm. important for kids in general, but especially online. And being careful about even when you're in those those communities, um, the one that always comes to mind so much for me right now is Discord, because that's what I'm hearing from a lot of my therapy kids that, you know, they can go in and basically create their own server and they have these groups and they tell each other all their personal stuff about struggles they're having with mom, dad, what's going on, mental health issues, if they've been a victim of some type of trauma. And then they find out that this person they thought they trusted is now outing them elsewhere. It's like, be protective of your information. And just because somebody overshares with you doesn't make it automatic that you have to share. So it goes back to just what we were saying. You don't, you know, we, we even, we need to build trust over time as friends and, and stuff. So, you know, that's not something you need to, to talk about right away, but oh, y'all. They just give it all up, like right away, from what I can understand, from what I understand from a lot of kids. Yeah. And I'm curious in terms of, we talked about some great preventive strategies, like, you know, maybe having these conversations early and setting boundaries around uh, internet usage early on. Um, are there any other preemptive strategies for helping kids being, you know, be safe online? Uh, I think, again, it's, it's, you know, I just can't stress enough in, in all the research, you know, I know that a lot of times parents get very into the latest app and what they should do about it. But, you know, there's always going to be a new app. There's always going to be something new out there. Um, I think it's, 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 you know, for parents, it's walking the walk too, that if you're telling and limiting and putting boundaries on the time that your child is spending um, also as well, you need to do the same for you with your phones and your time. Like you can't do as I say, not as I do. Um, and I, and again, I just, in all the research that I look at and when I'm always looking to like update all of our information, I, and it's sounding like a broken record, but it is about the ongoing talks and getting their input, getting their input on what they think is appropriate. Well, how much screen time is okay? Or, and what are they using it for? I read an interesting article just yesterday about don't assume it's all bad, right? There's really great things about the internet and social media, there's like some great things. Um, as a side note, there's some things I really hate, but there are some great things. So talk about also their interests and what they do like. Ask them, you know, what what are, what are your favorite things? What are the things that make you uncomfortable and you don't like? Um, do you ever need me to be the bad guy to give you um, permission to check out sometimes and get off because they feel so much pressure to always be connected because they're going to miss out from the social circle stuff, even with people they know and their friends, they're going to miss out somehow if they disconnect for a little while. Um, and so really trying to be a partner with your child in that, you know, oh, and that if you come and tell me something that's happened, I'm not going to necessarily take your access away because that is the number one reason kids don't talk to adults. They're afraid, oh my God, if I tell them that some person asked me for an inappropriate, a nude you know, video or picture or whatever, mom's never going to let me on my phone or my computer again, you know, so I know you're going to have to have your moment, but 
praise them for coming and talking with you. Like, let them know, look, I want you to come to me. It doesn't mean we're going to take it all away. Something goes down. Please, please come talk to me because it doesn't, you know, I, I want to be, I want to help and support you. And the more you can be honest with me, the more I'm going to trust you too. You know that, gosh, you made the right decision. So gosh, look at that. So guess what? We may have to put some more, you know, filters or some protections on, but you're not going to lose all your access. Right. You're not going to be seen being punished for something. Yeah, because that is the fear. That is the fear with anything. And especially even if they have done something. So let's say the genie's out of the bottle and they've maybe um, sent some inappropriate material to somebody because we know it happens a lot. It is um, the whole kids don't call it sexting. It's just sending nudes, video and pictures that uh, the, the bottom line is if something ever happens, just trust me enough that we can help you solve the problem. Understand that sex torsion happens where somebody could get some of your information, get some of your nudes, and then try to either get money or more nudes from you. They, we need to be real with kids and say, this is stuff that really happens right here in our community. Come and talk to me because nothing's worth you being victimized, period. So try to stay away. And if it does happen, because I know you have had that, and if the victim, if they're a victim, try to stay away from the shame. Why did you do that? You know, try. It's hard. I know it's hard because you're in the moment, but don't be, don't shame and guilt. Remember, the team brain is not done cooking. They are not. They may look like they're grown, but they're not. Now they're saying what men's brains don't finish maturing till age 25, 26 and women 24, 25 now. I know sometimes even in my office, I have to pinch myself when I look at my teen client like, OK, they look like they're 20. Or they look grown. They're not their brains. You know, they are they're in a stage of development being teenagers and and kiddos too. remember, because now we're seeing younger and younger ages getting you know doing some of the same things that their brains their brains are not done developing yet and that prefrontal cortex that is our thinking and problem solving part is the last part to finish developing i know i know we've heard from a lot of parents who are kind of like i think we don't really want to talk about sextortion like you know like it's it's squeamish it's it, like we don't even want to go there and um, we really i mean down the sex ed route i mean that's why we don't want to talk about sex ed right so i'm sorry i won't get on my you tell i have to pull myself back you know what if you if you this is your parent um and if you're going to allow them to have the access and have the devices you're going to have to have the conversations because you know what if you don't someone else will and might not give them the right information absolutely it puts them at risk it puts them at risk for victimization if they don't have the right information. It doesn't mean they're going to go do it. I think that's that whole thing. Well, I mean, you know, gosh, if we tell them about it, that's given in the green light. No, it's not. It's you. You want them to have the right information from you and you want to be the go to person. If you're not willing to talk about it, why are they going to come and talk to you about if something goes down? If you haven't even had the conversation about it. I, I, absolutely. And, and, um, you know, and you mentioned the guilt and shame and how that really is not helpful when, when something has happened. Are there any other measures that parents should be taking when they, when they find out that, you know, as you said, the genie is out of the bottle and, and something has happened to really be there to support their kids in the aftermath of such an mm -hmm. event? 
Absolutely. So I think it's trying to give them a little bit of control back that, okay, we're going to contact the provider, however they, you know, met this person or whatever, we're going to contact the provider. And we're going to see about, you know, shutting some stuff down. Um, We're also going to contact law enforcement because we want to keep you safe. And most likely, one of the powerful thing I feel like that sometimes helps kids is that you're not alone. You're not alone when these things happen. You're not the only person this has happened to. This has happened to lots of different people of all walks of life. And you're not alone in this. And so we need to take the steps to keep you safe and other kids and teenagers safe as well. And then if and when needed, you know, seek out family therapy, seek out a therapist for the kiddo to support them because that's a traumatic event and they may need some help processing that and moving on. And and again, try to just stay away from the blame, you know, and for the parent, you know, go talk to your own therapist too, if you need to, I get it. It's like, even in the best of circumstances, sometimes you talk to kids, you tell them and they still, they have a bulletproof shield. We all did. We hit puberty and all of a sudden that bulletproof shield goes up and it's like, well, I know I hear about that, but it won't happen to me, you know, Um, and I think we all still have a little bit of that, right? Yeah. I mean, I don't care how old we get. And so it's about, you know what, hopefully it won't, but we just want to be prepared that it could. So I want you to have all the information to make the best choices that you can, informed choices. And and then I guess my my other question is like you know thinking about the teen social nexus you know um, if if a, if, a, if your teenager comes to you and talks about their friend possibly going so, through something that sounds like it could be a situation with an internet predator how should parents deal with that and kind of like you know your teen might have been told that in confidence but might be concerned enough like is there a delicate way to handle that that you're protecting the kids mm-hmm. but you're also not. Uh, you know, making it worse somehow. So I think it's really what they do. Praise them for coming and talking with you about it. Uh, talk about how dangerous of situation it is. I mean, <clears throat> that teenager probably has that idea if they've actually come and talk to you and then and then brainstorm about how they can help that other kid. Even if it's initially like, let's go talk to tell them, let come and talk to me first and let's figure this out. Ultimately, to get to that kiddos caregivers next and then law enforcement and doing all those things to help stop the victimization, if at all possible. So I think it's, you know, again, try not to take over, pull them in and and, and take it step by step together about how they can problem solve. And then I guess, are there any signs that kids might be going through something, whether it's an online predator or some sort of in real life predator and like a negative yeah. situation and and what you can be looking for Obviously, I imagine some kids don't show any signs, but are there things that maybe parents can be on the lookout for changes in their kid that are not just explained by going through puberty and and, and things like that? That I think it it would be their behavior. You know, they parents know their kids better than anybody else most of the time. Although I always like to say the secret life of teenagers. You know, what can we say? Um, but if you know you're noticing that they're um, minimizing screens a lot when as soon as you walk in the room, you're noticing they're becoming a lot more um, isolating themselves more, not being interested in things that they used to be interested in, you know, not going and meeting with friends and doing things like that drops, you know, just becoming disinterested in the typical school stuff. Just, you know, again, they know their their kiddo. Don't just assume, oh, you know, especially if the kid was pretty social to begin with and all of a sudden they're just more and more isolating. That to me would be a big red flag. 
what's up with that? You know, um, if they're really secretive about what they are doing, yeah, what what's what's going on with that? You know, and, and so on. So um, again, looking just for any changes in their behavior that's pretty out of the ordinary for them. Because again, I know kids like to spend a lot of time in the room, but if they're spending even more time and letting you know all those other things that they they used to like to do go, that's a that's a pretty big red flag. Absolutely. And and this is not really an online predator situation. It, it kind of is, but it's it's a listener question that we got that, that was basically their um their, I guess, a child's friend's father turned mm -hmm. out to, you know, recently have been arrested for child sexual abuse materials charges. And they're kind of, you know, this horrified realization that this, you know, person who may have been in contact with our child turned out to be a predator. And um, you know, not noticing any different behavior in the kid, but is there a way to talk with their kid about that and, and ask questions without, um, you know, leading them? There's always that concern that you're going to, you know, put an idea in your kid's head. And then at the same time, in that case, law enforcement never reached out to them. So it sort of seems like it's probably, I mean, that was our interpretation that if law enforcement didn't reach out, it's probably okay. But um, mm -hmm. just a very upsetting realization for a parent to have, obviously. Well, and most likely, I'll, I'm going to take a guess that the kiddo figured out what was going on, too, because, you know, we, we think they don't know, but they do. I mean, you know, they do. they're pretty dang smart and they pay a lot of attention. So I think you could start off with and this is kind of a sticky widget, because if something did happen, you, you certainly don't want to muddy, so to speak, the forensic interview. But I think it, it could even just be that, gosh, you know, this, you know, so are you aware of what's happened with, you know, Robert's dad. And, you know, again, let the kid kind of talk and just be like, wow, this is such a hard thing, child sexual abuse. And hopefully they've already had a conversation about this, about sexual abuse prevention safety. But, you know, um, I just want to let you know that no matter what, nobody's supposed to be touching you. And I'm going to use the parts names, you know, on your penis or your butt. And if it's a girl, your breasts, your vagina, your butt, nobody is supposed to be touching you except for, for, keeping you safe and healthy. Like when you go to a doctor or we're changing diapers, like you can start to have that conversation with them and then just be like, you know, it, this just made me think, gosh, has anything, anybody ever done that to you? And, and if they're, yeah, well, and then that's all you got to do. You just go, okay, wow. I'm so glad you told me you're so brave. It's not your fault. We're going to get some help for this. And that's it. That's it. You know, don't, don't, you don't, why, what, where, when questions just like, and I, again, I can't even imagine a parent being in that place because you would want to do that. But if at all possible, focus on the kids mental health of they've been keeping a very horrible secret, you know, right there that they've probably feel guilty and somehow it's their fault and they're ashamed because most kids blame themselves because they never told um, if, if they haven't. And so it's about, the kiddo. It's like, what can we do to help them? So it's very simple. Once you know if something has happened and then you, and then you report it, you, you go ahead and report it to your local CPS or law enforcement. And, and I imagine that, you know, in terms of your own reaction in instances like that, whatever the conversation is as horrifying and as like, mm -hmm. I mean, unthinkable it is for a parent to hear that I would presume it makes sense to try to keep your emotions in check so you're not re-traumatizing the child by freaking out, essentially. Absolutely, if you can. I know that's much easier said than done. I yeah. mean, much easier said than done. And anger, too. Remember anger. Even if you think, gosh, I'm angry at the perpetrator, 
you know, again, kids are going to see it and they're going to be like, whoa, 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 you know, uh, so just just try to, to keep that in check and store it away for until you can have that moment to your with yourself and with a, a, another family member or friend to support you because it's about the kiddo. Um, it is hard. It, I, I again, I can't even imagine what that would be like. Don't beat yourself up too much. And if you've had not the great reaction, go back and say, I'm so glad you know, you can always go back and say, I'm, you know, I'm sorry. I know mom got, got really mad and upset and it wasn't at you. Just clarify, just we make mistakes. I, I love you so much. I just was so angry that this happened to you. And I'm so hurt that this happened to you. And I'm so glad you told me you can always go back to so and just explain, explain. Um, going back to the online predator subject, this is something I often say, like on the show, or I just kind of think to myself, and I, I think it's probably not a helpful reaction, but I'm just curious, you know, if you if you see any sort of movement in this, but like, part of me is like, you know, you often hear about tech founders not letting their kids be very involved in their phone for a long time. Part, like, sometimes I'm just like, no phones until they're 20, <laughs> you know? <laughs> That's, that's not, I think that's probably pretty unrealistic in this day and age, but is there any sort of movement to really sort of try to protect kids more from online exploitation, um, you know, that could happen within tech or that you are seeing on the ground, sort of any of those discussions taking place? You know, a lot of discussions are taking place. I mean, you know, if it was Beth's world and okay, I'll put myself out there. I wish we could just go back to them having flip phones. You know, the old, the very first phones when it was just text and talk, that was it. No internet access, no nothing. But I, you know, I don't see that happening. I think the genie's out of the bottle. Um, and and so it's the, the best way to fight this or just manage it, so to speak, is going to be where we, you know, hopefully empower parents and caregivers to keep talking with their kids about this and not be squeamish about it. We got to quit being squeamish about it. You know, they're, they're smart, you know, give them some credit, but again, they, and, and it's even, even teenagers, sometimes they want the guidance. They won't admit it, but yes, they do. I've even had them admit it to me in my therapy office. They, they listen more than we think they do. So you, and it doesn't have to be the hour long lecture, choose your moments. It can be when you're driving in the car, you know, and be like, gosh, you know, I, I heard about this story where this happened. What do you think about that? It can be little like five minute snippets on and off and just, and that way, the more you do it, the more they're kind of used to it. And even if they do this, oh, mom, you know, it's just like, well, I was just really kind of curious. Oh, I'll ask you later after dinner, you know? Just use your time wisely. I, I, you know, is there a movement? I hear people talk about it, but um, I laughed when I saw who is it? Somebody's right now just now um, advertising like it's a big new thing to have. Go back to the flip phone, you know, with the thing. And I laughed and I thought, well, still has Internet access, so it doesn't do us any good. But, uh, yeah, I, I, I think, again, it's going to be education is going to be the way to go. Yeah. And again, now I will put the caveat in there because I think parents are going to be like, I can't believe she didn't talk about spying software. So, you know, a lot of your your cell phone providers, they have I'm not going to endorse one. There's so many different watchdog things out there. You know, if you really want to have your kids phone locked down, I think that's absolutely fine. That's your right. Uh, go ahead and, and, you know, talk with your, your service provider and they'll have ways that you can monitor everything that they do, whatever they post, whatever apps, they got to get permission to get certain apps on their phone. They got to, 
you know, they got to do all of that. So I, I say go for it, you know, definitely go for it, especially when they're younger, probably. And then, though, as you know, this is but don't think that takes the place of talking with them because it doesn't because kids are amazingly smart at getting around all those blocks. They tell me how they do so. You, and, and guess what? They go over to other people's houses, they're at school, and they get on other people's phones and do stuff. So it's never going to take the place. Spying on them is never going to take the place of talking with them. It, you could probably do a little bit, like a little bit of the spying and a lot of, of talking with. That makes a lot of sense. And the spying, probably doing that alone and intensively, I imagine would just kind of, you know, not establish great trust because you're basically telling them, I can't trust you and I just have to watch you basically. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And they're going to go underground. They are. And let me tell you, they can do it. I have them tell me all the time, my office, how they get around the blocks at school. They know how to do it. We're talking like Mm -hmm. (laughs) nine-year-olds. It's terrifying. Well, this has been so incredibly insightful. Is there anything around this topic that we didn't ask you about that you think it's important for parents to know about or mention? I, it's a huge topic, but I feel like I, I love the insights you gave. It feels very actionable for people to you know, put in place to their own life and, and families. I think I'm just looking through my notes. What I'll do is I'm going to email you just some resources that you can maybe post for people. Um, some of the the really good ones from like National Center for Missing and Exploited Children, ConnectSafely.org, and Common Sense Media. And I'll send I'll send the names, plus um, you know just you know the links and such, so that you can post and people have them you know handy because there, there are so 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 many. But these are my go tos that like when I need you know again when I try to stay updated because it's changing all the time. These are the places I go. Thanks to Beth for her great insights. And thanks to the NCAC for connecting us for the interview. Thanks so much for listening to The Murder Sheet. If you have a tip concerning one of the cases we cover, please email us at murdersheet at gmail.com. If you have actionable information about an unsolved crime, please report it to the appropriate authorities. If you're interested in joining our Patreon, that's available at www.patreon.com slash murder sheet. If you want to tip us a bit of money for records requests, you can do so at www.buymeacoffee.com slash murder sheet. We very much appreciate any support. Special thanks to Kevin Tyler Greenley, who composed the music for the murder sheet and who you can find on the web at kevintg.com. If you're looking to talk with other listeners about a case we've covered, you can join the Murder Sheet discussion group on Facebook. We mostly focus our time on research and reporting, so we're not on social media much. We do try to check our email account, but we ask for patience as we often receive a lot of messages. Thanks again for listening.